we're jumping back into the book of Romans here uh, today. We're in Romans 8 today, and I, I just thought it'd be helpful because Romans 8 chapter 1 starts off with the word therefore. And anytime you see, when you read your Bible, when you see the word therefore, you always want to go back and see what it's there for. Today is going to feel a lot less like preaching hardcore and more like teaching. So this is like, just imagine that we're all sitting in the living room today and we're having a Bible study. Because this is what today is going to feel more like a Bible study than it is like preaching. And so let's settle in. Let's kind of go on along for a ride as we jump into Romans chapter 8. So Romans chapter 8 starts off with the word therefore. And so what you want to do anytime you find the word therefore is actually go back to the previous thing that was written to figure out what the author was talking about. And so as you go back from Romans chapter 8, you see Romans chapter 7, which we talked about last week, and Romans chapter 6. So what happens in Romans chapter 7 and Romans chapter 6? Well, Romans chapter 6 talks about how our sin was buried with Christ. It talks about how we've been set free from sin. And how we have this ability now to walk in newness of life. Romans chapter 7, though, talks about the struggle that we have of actually walking in newness of life. And Paul actually describes it this way. He says, for what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate to do. For I do not do the good that I want to do. But the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So in other words, the good that I'm supposed to end up doing, I don't do that good. And the bad stuff that in my heart I really don't want to do, I end up doing that bad stuff. So this is Paul describing like his experience. And I think a lot of people really connect with this passage of Scripture because they feel like, Hey, that's how I feel a lot of time as a follower of Jesus. I feel like in my heart of hearts, I really want to do good, right? Like how many of us in this room actually want to do good? Okay, almost all of you, good. We're praying for the rest. (laughs) But we all want to do good. But how many times do we know that we want to do good, but we don't end up doing the good that we we're supposed to do. And how many have you have found yourself, you're like, you do something bad and you're like, man, why did I do that? I didn't even want to do that. Oh, right? Exactly. Exactly. And so we, we're, we're in this complex of like this stuff that we don't want to do, we end up doing. So why is that the case? Well, I got my trusty little whiteboard here today. And I want to just try to explain this. Now, let me just first and foremost say, the book of Romans is a really complex book. And what we're going to talk about tonight is really complex. So if you don't get it tonight, I encourage you to read through it again. Join a Bible study. This stuff is complex, but it's also incredibly powerful. So let me try to explain, and Lord, just please help me to make this clear, because it is life-changing if you can just click. Let's unpack this a little bit. So, before you come to faith in Jesus Christ, 
the Holy Spirit is actively at work. And, and we believe that the Holy Spirit is God's presence. He's a person. And we believe that his spirit is actively at work in every single human being. And we believe that the Holy Spirit's actually trying to draw every single person into a relationship with God. We believe that. Now, this first part of this journey represents your life. So I'm going to draw this little stick person because that's the only thing I can draw. I really suck at Pictionary. But, so this little stick person up there represents you. And for the, and, and all of us in this room are at different parts of our journey, right? Some of us have yet to make the decision on Christ or we're yet to put our faith in Jesus and that's okay. Some of us have just recently made a decision to accept Jesus. Some of us have been Christians for maybe quite a while now. Now, if you're someone here today that you look back and remember how God was working on your life before you accepted Jesus, I just want you to think back for a second. Think back to before you were a Christian. Think back to how you felt. Think back to how the Holy Spirit was working on your heart convincing you, drawing you, wooing you. There was a work that was going on that we didn't fully understand at the time. Now, if you're here today and you've yet to become a Christian, I'm here to tell you that there's a work going on in your life that you don't fully understand right now, but the Holy Spirit is actually trying to draw you into a relationship with God. And the Holy Spirit does something very specific, and I want to explain what happens. During this section, before you come to the cross, that's supposed to be a cross, I know, I'm not very good at drawing, sorry. But the Holy Spirit actually takes God's law and convinces us that we're broken. The Holy Spirit takes God's law before you come to Christ and convinces us that we've broken God's law. We've fallen short. So it's like that feeling of guilt. How many of you remember, like, if you were a Christian today, how many of you remember before you accepted Christ, there was a sense of, like, inner guilt? Yeah, like, like looking back, I'm super glad. But before I became a Christian, I was absolutely miserable. Because the Holy Spirit was actually convincing me that, I had fallen short. And actually, if you read Romans chapter 7, the purpose of God's law is to do what? It's actually to point out our sin. God's law is to show us that we've fallen short. So like when you hear, in, in God's law, just let me explain for those of you that maybe don't know, what is God's law? It's the Ten Commandments. God's law is the agreement that he made with people. He's saying, if you follow this agreement, we can have this relationship and I will bless your life. Well, the problem for all of us is that we've all broken God's law and can't have that relationship with God. And so God needs to convince us first and foremost that we've done that. And so the Holy Spirit uses God's law to convince us that we've fallen short. Now, let me give you a couple examples. So what's one of the Ten Commandments? Do not lie. How many of y'all have lied before? 
Okay, 35 rest of you, you're lying. Okay? The, Bible, the, the Ten Commandments says, do not commit adultery. And Jesus went on to say, if you've even looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you've already committed adultery. I won't ask that question, okay? There's no reason to hands for that one. It says, do not covet. That's what the Ten Commandments say. How many of us have actually wanted other people's stuff? See their shoes, their hats, their cars, their boats, their house, and we're like, man, I like that. Man, I want that. So the Holy Spirit, before you become a Christian, uses that law to convince you that you're fallen, that you have sin inside of you. You tracking with me so far? And so that actually, believe it or not, that actually brings us to this conclusion that we actually need Jesus. Because we find in Jesus, Jesus actually met all the requirements of the law on your behalf. And he took your sin to the cross. He broke its power so that you could enter into this new agreement, right? This new journey. And so you come to the cross. You believe and accept Jesus. He forgives you of your sin. And now you have access to God and have this amazing relationship with him. Sounds great, right? But why do so many of us, after we make that decision to accept Jesus, go through such a miserable time? Why isn't it all just peachy keen? And I'm not just talking about, like, let's not be naive here. Being a follower of Jesus is difficult. Jesus promised there'd be persecutions. Like, it's not all easy street. I get that. But there's also a struggle internally that we all go through after we come to faith in Jesus. And I want to attempt to explain why that's the case. You see, the Holy Spirit used the law to convince us that we have a sin problem, that we're broken, that we're fallen. But after we become a Christian, the law actually is counterproductive to us because it's constantly accusing us in our minds, saying that we've fallen short, we're messing up, and it actually arouses desires in us to do wrong. Like when you hear the word, do not commit adultery, what do we think about? That sin try to resurrects itself and it actually arouses desires that are sinful. I used the, how many remember last week I had a really nice cupcake on the table that my daughter made for me. And one of the things I said was, none of y'all are allowed to eat it. Now, as soon as I said, you're not allowed to eat it, how many of y'all wanted to eat it? Everybody, exactly. So here's the point Paul is trying to make. Stay with me on this. When you hear the law now, and the law is just the Ten Commandments, like God's agreement, when you hear the law now, do not lie, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not covet, honor your father and your mother. When you hear all those commandments now, what Paul is trying to explain in Romans chapter 7, before he gets to Romans chapter 8, is this. That law is working in your mind, but it's actually not helpful anymore. Because it's actually accusing you of, of all these things. It's condemning you in your mind, because every time you hear the law now, you think, man, I've fallen short. Man, I'm not pleasing to God. Man, I'm always failing. What Paul is explaining in Romans chapter 7 is the law has actually become unhelpful to you now as a follower of Jesus because you're no longer back here anymore. 
Back here, the Holy Spirit used the law. It was actually helpful. But you're actually walking in a new agreement now. And this marker will not work. Man, losing my voice. Marker won't work. That's all right. The Lord can still work. Amen? Amen? Okay, just check it. But we're not under the law anymore. We're under what? We're under grace. So there's a whole new agreement that Jesus established. Jesus established a brand new agreement. We no longer have to perform, obey all the laws to have a right relationship with God. We just simply have to have faith in Jesus to have a relationship with God. So what Paul is trying to explain in Romans chapter 7 is this, is that the law has become unhelpful because it condemns us in our mind and arouses all these evil desires. And you're no longer under that law anymore. There, and Paul, what Paul is trying to explain, there's, there's a brand new way to live. Now, I am convinced that there's a lot of believers in Jesus that live most of their Christian experience in a Romans 7 experience. Because they're still living under the law. They're still living, like how many Christians do you think feel always condemned? Feel like they're always falling short, never sense God's pleasure on their life. And I'm here to tell you that I think there's quite many. And how many Christians are just in a constant state of inner turmoil because the law is just constantly arousing desires to do wrong? And let me tell you, you can live a Romans 7 lifestyle the rest of your life and still get into heaven because you've put your faith in Jesus. But man, that sounds like a miserable life. Always failing God and just constantly an internal war. And I'm not, again, let's not be naive. The Christian walk is a battle. We will struggle in our mind. But Paul actually makes a roadmap to live an entirely different way in Romans chapter 8. And in Romans chapter 8, it's filled with so much hope and optimism. If you're ever discouraged and feel like you're struggling in your Christian walk, just go read Romans chapter 8. It's probably the most encouraging chapter of Scripture in the whole New Testament. And what Paul is saying here is that you're no longer under that law of performing, of do's and don'ts. You're actually under a new agreement. There's a new way that we relate to God now. And that agreement is not based on your performance, on how good you're doing, on your checklist. That new relationship is based on your relationship with the Holy Spirit. You're not under the law anymore. You're under Grace, you're under this relationship with the Spirit. It's why Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You're not condemned anymore in here. There's no more accusation in here. You have been made right with God, and you and God actually have peace. There's no more hostility between you and God. That's what Paul is saying. He's saying, there's no condemnation. 
So when Satan comes in your mind to accuse you of all the bad stuff you've done, you quote to him Romans 8 verse 1. You say, I'm not condemned anymore. God is not accusing me anymore because I am his child and I have right standing with God. Amen? So there's no condemnation anymore because we're under a brand new agreement. Verse 2 says, For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law and sin and death. We're under a new law. That sounds sketchy, but it's not. We're under the law of the Spirit. We're under the rule of the Spirit. We're under the reign of the Spirit. We're not under the reign of law of sin and death anymore. We're under a new ruler, and that new ruler is a person. And that person is the Holy Spirit. You are, if you believe in Jesus and you've accepted Christ into your life, it starts, there's a new, new thing going on. There's a new part of this journey. It's not about performance anymore. It's about your relationship with Jesus and you learning how to walk with the Holy Spirit. And it's actually pretty cool. It's not this miserable, draining performance lifestyle. You know what? There's so many outsiders that look at the church and look at the opportunity to be a Christian and they're so incredibly turned off. And you know why they're turned off? Because they think that the Christian life is always going to be Romans chapter 7. Always living under the law. All these do's and don'ts that they know in and of themselves, they can't live up to that. Well, guess what we've discovered? We can't live up to it either, right? And it's not about rules in religion, is it? It's about a relationship with God. It's not this formal, stuffy shirt and tie, can't miss a Sunday, got to do all the things right, make sure I say my prayers before I eat and before I go to bed. It's about this loving relationship of grace. And that's what Roman 8's Romans 8 breathes into us. We have this amazing opportunity to get to intimately know God. And God is not far off and distant. God is intimately close. So much so, he's given us his presence to live inside of us. Man, I get some fired up about that even when I'm losing my voice. This is the best news like ever. God's Spirit, if you believe and receive Jesus, the Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead is living in your bones, giving you power and ability to actually walk in newness of life. That is the Christian life, and it's filled with life and peace. Romans 8 says that the old way, living under all these do's and don'ts, is filled with death. And it sets your mind on death things. Your mind is constantly focusing on performing and the fact that we've been condemned by God. And your mind is just constantly there. But Romans 8, the Bible says, when you follow this Holy Spirit, who's a person, not an it, when you follow the Holy Spirit, your mind is filled with life and peace. And how many of you know in this place tonight 
We need life, and we need peace. Well, I'm here to tell you tonight, there is a new way to experience that. And the way that you experience true life and true peace is learning how to walk now with the Holy Spirit. And it's an awesome, awesome life. And so there's three things I want to hit on tonight. It's just practical steps of like, how do we actually learn to walk with the Holy Spirit? And this is where I don't think people really see, maybe on the outside looking and see how like cool this actually is. One, like, we got a relationship with the God of the universe, for one. Two, he's actually living inside of us. Like, that is crazy. It's true, though. Because that's what the Bible says in Romans chapter 8. Just let's read it. It says, but if Christ is in you, then verse 9 says, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, see, the Bible actually teaches us that Christ actually dwells inside of us by his spirit. That's the real litmus test to know if you're a believer in Jesus. And just ask yourself that question. Does the Spirit of God dwell inside of you? And if the answer is yes, well, you have an opportunity to actually live a totally different way. The way of the Spirit. And let's read verse 11 again. I know I've already mentioned it, but this verse is so stinking good. It straight up is, guys. Like, this is amazing stuff. It sounds too good to be true. But just read Romans 8, verse 11. Please, when you go home, memorize this verse, because this is powerful stuff. This is what it says. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So let me explain that verse. So what Paul is saying, he's saying, if you've received and accepted Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in you. That Spirit is the same Spirit that brought the dead corpse of Jesus back to life. That Spirit is working in you, giving you the power, giving you the desire, giving you the passion to actually follow Jesus. You don't got to worry about trying hard and performing anymore. What you have to be concerned about is trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. You're not doing this based on your own effort anymore. You've surrendered that. We noticed we couldn't measure up, so we actually don't depend on our own ability. We actually depend on the Holy Spirit. The Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. That same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead actually gives life to us. You see, we were considered dead to sin. We were buried with Christ. We were dead. But God brought us back to life. And His Spirit that lives inside of us, gives life to our mortal bodies right here and now. So we can actually follow Jesus. So we can actually please God. Do you know here tonight that if you have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you can actually please God? You can actually bring joy to the heart of the Father? Do you know that? Because most Christians think they're always failing God, and what they don't realize is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can bless the heart of the Father and bring joy to his heart when we follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. 
So there's three things I want to hit in terms of like learning this journey of how do you actually walk in newness of life? How do you actually follow this, live this new way of living according to the Spirit? Well, you walk with the Holy Spirit, you think about the Holy Spirit, and you submit to the Holy Spirit. First one's walk with. Can you all say walk with? I love taking my kids for walks, and we often like to go on the rock trail. And when we go for a walk on the rock trail with three kids under the age of five, all manner of things can happen. It usually starts as soon as we open up the van, and they book it for the trail, and we get to tell them, slow down, don't run, stay with mommy and daddy. There's nothing organized with a walk, about a walk with kids all under the age of five. It's like organized chaos, actually. But there's this relationship here. It's not about, it's not about, we're not all walking in perfect formation, and we make sure we go to each stop, and we pause at a synchronized time. It's very free-flowing. It's just a journey together. And, like, my kids will pick up rocks they want to keep, and we have to tell them, no, you can only keep one. And they want to stop at the Smurf section, and the Chocolate Factory section, and the Simpson section. There's all these different sections of the rock trail. And they'll come to the Y in the road with, like, if you, in the rock trail, you can actually go on the long trip around. And we're like, no, Mommy and Daddy just want to do the short trip today. But there's this, like, ebb and flow, and, like, silence is okay when you're in relationship with someone. And you can change plans on the fly, and it's all about relationship. It's not about rule. And walking with the Spirit is very similar. It's this free-flowing relationship where you're learning to listen to the Spirit's prompting. You're hearing His voice. You're relating with Him, connecting throughout your day. It's this personal relationship. It really is a relationship that you have with the Holy Spirit. And so you, you just learn by grace to just walk with the Spirit as you go about your day. Does that make sense? So first one's walk with. Second one is think about. Think about the Holy Spirit. Thinking about the Holy Spirit is more than just listening to a sermon or doing a Bible devotion and not sitting and meditating on it. I know there were some people that, I was a little dense in the first service, so they came back for the second, like, Jay, I need to hear that one more time, because it was a little dense, so sorry for that. But you're wanting to think about it a little bit more. You're wanting to set your mind on the Holy Spirit. And this can be done in, in two different ways. Sometimes in order for us to think on the Holy Spirit, we need to slow down. We need to stop taking in information. And sometimes, I would say this, we need to change the way we pray. How many of you know that prayer is actually goes in two directions? Like, we talk to God, but how many of you know prayer is actually also happens when God talks to us? Did you know that? So how much time in our prayer life, myself included, do I stop and let God talk back after I give him my list? Right? How on earth is God going to speak to us if we're always the one talking? You ever been in a conversation with someone, a one-way conversation? How's that go? And so God, in the same way, the Holy Spirit actually wants to speak to us. So sometimes we got to slow down and listen. And I also find it incredibly helpful I have people in my life that when I'm wanting to discern or hear the voice of God, I just start sharing with other people 
And the Holy Spirit, who lives inside of them, begins to give me counsel and direction. And so we need to think about the Holy Spirit. And finally, we need to submit to the Holy Spirit. This one's a little harder. But we are under the rule of the Holy Spirit anymore. We're not under the rule of the law anymore. We're under the rule of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit governs. He calls the shots. It's his way. And so there's this process of God changing our desires and us submitting fully to him. God convinces us by his spirit what's best for us. And actually, he's the one in control now. We're no longer in control. We tried to be in control, and we messed it up, right? So we submitted our lives to one who actually could be in control. And that's hard sometimes, because when you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, he doesn't always show you what the next steps are. He doesn't always map out what the plan is. So there's this exercise of trust that's really uncomfortable. I was thinking of this illustration. My wife and I, when we first got married, my wife was thinking about, this is before we had kids. She's like, yeah, maybe when we have kids, maybe I'll take them skydiving. I'll tell you how that conversation went. This is my response. You're never going skydiving. End of conversation. Good talk. Now, I share that illustration to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Because when you follow the Holy Spirit, you no longer have control. And when you skydive, usually you're partnered up with someone that's connected to you that has control, and I'm thankful they do. But when you follow the Holy Spirit, you no longer have control. He has control. And it's this exercise of trust. You're like, Lord, I don't know where you're leading me. Like, I don't know what you have in store, but sometimes you're just following this invisible prompting, this invisible God that's actually leading you into blessing. And you don't always have all the answers, but you just learn to say, Lord, I just trust you and I'll obey you. I know you have what's best in mind. And so I'm just going to follow you. But it's exciting because it always leads to blessing. And sometimes not blessings that we fully understand. Sometimes not blessings that we would even go after, but blessings that God knows we need. So I want you to do something this week. And maybe you can take out your phone right now and give yourself a reminder to do some of these things as an exercise. But what if you took 10 minutes this week, every day, with no agenda, and 10 minutes of sitting quiet and listening to the Holy Spirit. Total silence and listening. If you want to do that, take out your phone and set an alarm on your phone for such and such, and such a time every day to do that. Just to sit quiet and listen. Maybe another thing you could do is spend two to three times this week taking a 30-minute walk and being quiet and listening to the Holy Spirit and say, Lord, would you just begin to speak to me? And whether you're like a Christian or not, I encourage you. The Holy Spirit's still speaking to you. Say, go for a walk and say, God, would you just begin to speak to me? And watch what he'll do. Or maybe you take, and this maybe one will be a tough one for some. What if you took 60 minutes this week once and said, Holy Spirit, is there anything in my life that you can search my soul that's blocking me from experiencing the fullness of life you have for me? That one might mean you have to stop at Tim Hortons, get a coffee, and do the double loop around Cape Island. But it's okay 
because you won't be doing a lot of talking. People won't think you're crazy having coffee by yourself talking. But you'll be listening, listening to what the Lord is saying to you. Here's the thing I want to encourage you with, church, tonight. The thing that I don't think we fully realize or fully grasp, or can we fully grasp or realize, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is actively at work in your life, giving you the power and ability to walk in newness of life. And that, my dear brothers and sisters, is good news.